This podcast details true crime cases. It contains adult themes and may contain descriptions of violence. It is not intended for children. Listener discretion is advised. Thank you for joining me for today's episode of Once Upon a Crime. This month, as you guys know, what we've been doing is we've been taking some high-profile cases that most people have heard about, know lots of details about probably, but we're kind of pulling them apart a little bit and maybe going through some of the things that haven't been talked about or some myths or things that we want to clarify, at least for ourselves as you know, true crime people that really want to know all the details. When this case broke in 2018, I didn't really follow it because when I started hearing about the details of it, I just was like, ugh, I don't even want to hear about that. First of all, I don't know why this has become such a media thing when unfortunately this is a very common story, at least as far as the type of crime that it is. And then when the details started coming out and they were so horrible, I was like, I don't even want to hear those details right now. Like, I don't want to know. So I really didn't follow it until much later on. There was a few things as I watched and started reading about it, I had some questions like, why aren't we talking about this? So this is why I'm bringing this one into our December special episodes. And this is the case of the family annihilator, Christopher Watts, or Chris Watts, I guess, as he's more commonly known. And today to help me discuss this is uh, Lorena. You guys know Lorena. She's our social media person. She's our audio production person. She kind of helps with everything around here. And uh, she's just been part of our family for a long time, right? Right, Lorena? Almost four years now. Gosh, I can't believe it. Four (laughs) years. It's just, it's crazy. Like, it's just, it's insane. We're at the end of the 2021. I know. This year has just gone by so fast, but (sighs) thanks for having me on for the last episode of 2021. I cannot believe, again, we're here. Crazy. I know. And this is going to be an interesting one because I think we both have a lot of thoughts about this case, right? Absolutely. And just like you mentioned, I also didn't follow it from the beginning because unfortunately, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, it's been done, (laughs) which is really sad to say. But yeah, just researching this the last couple weeks, there's a lot that I even came across that didn't make it in the big, you know, Netflix documentaries or, you know, the ones that were high media articles or mm-hmm. anything like that. So yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. And we'll, what we'll find in people that did follow it when it came out, there kept being more information coming out, like just more and more shared about this case. And that came straight from the perpetrator. So that was another reason I was a little biased against this case. Why is he trying to get so much attention? So we're going to go into that a little bit too at the end, a little bit of the psychology of it, because I'm, I don't know, I want to say fascinated, but also very disturbed by him as an individual. But anyway, let's just go ahead and do a little quick summary. Of course, most of people are going to know with, about this case. This is the case um, of Chris and Shanann Watts, who were a married couple, had been married for about eight years had two young daughters, lived in Colorado, originally from North Carolina, met in North Carolina, and then moved to Colorado. Seemingly, it was a happy little marriage and happy little family, and they were doing very well from all accounts, at least from the outside. People like to say, well, you know, there was a lot of problems in the marriage, but it really seemed like a typical marriage. Really wasn't any major issues that, that had come out until everything exploded. 
exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that makes it really interesting to me to see. I'm going to just go back a little bit into their history and how they met just really quickly and then get right into the case. Christopher Lee Watts was born in Fayetteville, North Carolina on May 16th, 1985, which is really when I didn't, I had no idea. My brother lives in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh my gosh, you always have some weird little ties <laughs> to cases like this. You're always like, oh yeah, I lived there for two months when I was a kid, or I have a, a, some type of relative that yeah. lived in that area. I know, I feel like like when people think, I think I'm like, a, I don't know, like a nomad or something. Like I'm just, <laughs> He's been there a few years. Yeah, I've been there. It's a small town. It's a very small town. I'm really nice people there. Super nice. Uh, well, so if you're from Fayetteville, yeah, hey, you guys are you guys are awesome. So <laughs> n- n- not this guy, but you guys are. Yeah. Chris Watts was one of two children. He had an older sister, older sister named Jamie, who was six and a half years older. His parents are Cindy and Ronnie Watts. Now, one of the things that's going to be important in this case is that Chris was very, very close to his father, Ronnie. Mm-hmm. He idolized him, and they called each other their best friends. So they were best friends, not just father and son. One of the things they did together is they loved NASCAR. Mm-hmm. And uh, his father used to take them to races, and they would you know, follow all of the, the drivers and their careers and all these things. And this is why Chris aspired to be an auto mechanic and work for NASCAR. That was his dream. Christopher's personality, everybody says this, is he was very shy, very, very quiet, very introverted and withdrawn since the time he was a child. And later, Shanann, his wife, would say this, is that the only person he ever was close to was his father. The only person he ever confided in, the only person he ever talked to really about anything in depth was his father. He had friends, but he wasn't like, popular or very active in in anything. People would say he was awkward, especially in high school, due to his shyness. Girls liked him. They thought he was cute and girls would like him, but he just didn't respond because he was too shy. He just took a lot of auto technology classes in high school. He applied himself. He was an average student. He was also a good athlete. He was described as quiet, studious, polite, and introverted. His sister would later say she wondered if something was, quote, wrong with him. Because she described his personality as obsessive and controlled. He liked things very clean and neat and orderly. And, you know, and that could be a little bit of an OCD kind of thing. Or it could just be a personality type. You just like it that way, right? Um, She would actually say she wondered if he wasn't on uh, the spectrum. If he wasn't maybe, you know, uh, autism spectrum. Of course, that was never something that was diagnosed or even, I believe, tested on him. So that was just her speculation. At 18 years old, he left home to attend... The NASCAR Technical Institute, so a school to train people to be NASCAR uh, mechanics and technicians. And this was in Mooresville, North Carolina. So it's still in the same state, Mm -hmm. 120 miles away. What's that? Couple hour drive, hour and a half drive, depending how fast you drive. While he was there, he he got a job working part-time at a Ford dealership. Now, when he left home, his father was so despondent at losing his buddy, his best friend, his son going away an hour and a half or two hours to school that he fell into a deep depression, which is odd, don't yeah, you think? Definitely. I, I get, you know, parents having a close relationship with their son, daughter, but I mean, cut the umbilical cord, let them fly, right? According to the family, his father became so depressed that he started doing cocaine and became addicted to it. Interesting, because cocaine is a very social drug, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see drinking. Yeah. 
you know, I don't know, but, but cocaine? I mean, yeah. just, I don't know. Maybe he did already have a drug issue that people didn't know about. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to fathom that that's what you do. Yeah. The family, they said they knew nothing about it until his wife started noticing money missing. And she started thinking that he was having an affair. That was her first thought. And then, I guess, confronted him and, you know, he confessed and said this was what was going on. Chris was called back home to stage an intervention Wow. For his father. This is your, you, you know, I don't know. That's also strange. I mean, he was like 19 years old at the time. Yeah. He was very young. Um, and then because Chris got involved, he quit cold turkey, according to the family. He just stopped. Chris graduates in 2006. And uh, he went to a NASCAR interview. He didn't really know how to present himself. You know, when you go to an interview, you know how this is. Yeah. You have to really sell yourself absolutely you know especially on something like that nascar and imagine that's like very selective they're going to pick the the best people they can and he was competent and all that but he just wasn't sociable mm -mm. he just wasn't and i guess he just didn't make a very good impression on them and uh it went nowhere so he ended up staying and working at the ford dealership and just made that his job how old was he then 21 22 yeah something like that early 20s um, a cousin of his told him about a woman that she knew named Shanann, who had just ended a bad marriage and said, hey, you should contact her on Facebook. She's a really nice girl. And, you know, she was just ended this bad marriage. And I think you'd really like each other. So he did. And uh, she didn't really respond. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she kind of just was like, eh, you know. Oh, uh, I don't know who this dude is. You know, get a yeah. Facebook message. It's not rando just yeah. sending you a friend request. <laughs> Pass. Not even a phone call, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> Or a text, for God's sakes. Exactly. Just something. So this woman that she she told uh, Chris about, her name was Shanann Catherine, Ru- is it Ruzchek? Uh, Ruzek. Ruzek. Okay. Ruzek. Um, she was born January 10th, 1984 in Passaic, New Jersey. So that would make her like a year and a half older than Chris. So, um, her parents were Frank and Sandy. She was also one of, uh, two siblings, just like, uh, Chris, her brother, Frank Jr., who was called Frankie was two years younger than her. Now, Shanann was a completely different personality than Chris. She was very outgoing. She was very sociable, very high energy, bubbly, sunny, talkative, uh, just an extrovert, just totally the opposite, which, you know, you hear opposites attract, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But the only thing that the issue for her was that she had had health issues even since she was a baby. Lots of things going on um, in her health, but it really didn't seem to slow her down. I mean, for temporarily, but then she'd get right back up and, and keep going. In 1999, the family moved to Aberdeen, North Carolina. Her parents were not getting along at that time. There was a lot of unhappiness at her home. They fought a lot. She was a person who was very close to her family and craved this family attention. And she especially craved attention from her father. Before she graduated high school, she was engaged to be married. Oh, wow. I did Mm -hmm. not know that. Yeah. So she was like 17, barely turning 18. She was engaged. Um, And right after she graduated high school, she married a fellow student. His name was Leonard King. And uh, she started college, but she dropped out uh, to work and make money. So she didn't come from money. Everybody was working class. And uh, she ended up taking a job at a cell phone store. As she was doing that, her marriage was falling apart. 
So do you know anything else about the marriage? Um, yeah. So apparently he was interviewed and he didn't really have anything bad to say. I didn't know that they were engaged in high school before they graduated, but he pretty much just said that, you know, they got married very young. She immersed herself in her work and neither of them had the desire to continue to work on the marriage to make it like a long lasting relationship. And marriage, so they just got divorced. Um, he never really had anything bad to say about her or anything. So that's why when the cousin said, oh, th- she just got out of a nasty marriage uh, through a bad divorce, from his interview, it didn't seem like anything really wrong happened. There just wasn't anything happening in the marriage. Okay. So they both agreed to just... Yeah, they were su- super young. So, so young. By 2007, at the age of 23, she was divorced she became a store manager of the cell phone store where she was working and then worked as a bookkeeper for the owner. He owned several businesses. So she was doing a couple of things. She was managing one of his stores. She was doing bookkeeping for all of his businesses. Like I said, she was just a go-getter. I think that also came from her her background. You know, like sometimes when you come from a background where you don't have a lot of money and you want the better things in life or you see maybe other people attaining those things or whatever it is, just having that drive... She really wanted that. She really wanted to be successful. And she said, hey, if I'm not doing it with a husband, I'll do it on my own, yeah. which I thought was pretty um, pretty impressive. Definitely, especially at 23. 23, I mean, yeah. Uh, took out a 300000 mortgage yeah. and built a house. And this was a brand new house, like you said, built from the ground up. There's a picture of her in front of this home, and yeah, it's a I mansion. Yeah. It's a freaking mansion. She's 20, you know, 20 what three 24 24 years old at the time or whatever but soon after um moving into this house she became ill like i said she had the recurring illnesses all kinds of things going on and uh finally she was diagnosed around that time with lupus and this was in may of 2010 and this is when chris watts comes into her life right at this time in july of 2010 she gets a second facebook message from chris watts and now she responds The first dates were not great. Yeah, not at all. (laughs) Not at all great. First of all, I guess he invited her to go to this, you know, pretty nice restaurant for dinner. And he shows up and he's wearing like shorts and a t-shirt. Like her dad's sneakers. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, okay. And she goes, I feel, you know. Either I was overdressed or he was underdressed, but he was underdressed because everybody in the restaurant was dressed like for dinner. And he was just like, (laughs) he was kind of a schlub in a way. Like he wasn't like, well, people are going to see this image of him later when when this becomes a big story. And he's going to look like, oh, you know, this fit and clean cut, clean cut, you know, nice looking guy. He just was an average dude. Absolutely. You know, no style, no swag or anything to Mm -hmm. him. So she wasn't impressed. So the second date, he takes her to a Kid Rock concert. Now, this is in the middle of summer in North Carolina, hot and humid as hell, okay? I mean, I'm talking hot, right? He gets all the way to the front gate. He forgets his wallet, I guess, maybe with the tickets or whatever to get ID. I don't know, whatever it is to get into this concert. And he has to go all the way back to the car. Wow. And so by the time he comes back, he's totally sweaty. And she's like, (laughs) ew. Like... So, but for whatever reason, she accepts a third date with him. And this is where they go to Myrtle Beach, which is, you know, a little bit of a drive away. And uh, during this trip to Myrtle Beach, she has a flare up of her lupus. So she gets really sick. Um, They have to drive back. She says, I just, I feel so bad. I'm just leaning on him in the car and I'm just sleeping. And he was just the whole time being, you know, very nice and very sweet. I think he took her to... 
the doctor or something. I think there was something about, about a clinic visit or something. He was very caring and nurturing towards her during this, you know, this time when she was feeling really bad. And at that point, she said, I realized he's the one for me. You know, this just very caring guy, just very loving and nurturing. And I wanted that. Again, remember, this is something she always wanted the father um, attention. I, I mean, I do believe that he was very emotionally invested in her in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why she was so in tune with when he did start to push her away and become distant. You know, he was never like that. So the second that he started to, she's not stupid. She knew what was up. And especially since he was so nurturing and emotionally involved with her from the very beginning. Everybody in his family and her family, their friends, his friends all said he was friggin' in love with her. Mm -hmm. He was so smitten with her. She, not as much at the beginning. Later on, she did fall in love with him. But he was the pursuer. Mm -hmm. She liked that. She liked that he was, you know, he continued to pursue her, even though she was, like, not even sure about him. But remember, he didn't have a lot of dating history. He had been on some dates, like, in college and, like, after when he was working. But nothing that really worked out. And, And most of it had to do with the fact that, he was so shy. Mm-hmm. You know, he was, wasn't very assertive at all. She was more of the um, the assertive person in the relationship, and we'll talk about that. So she liked that he was that, and the fact that he was very nurturing and caring. Because her thing was she wanted marriage and family. She wanted kids from the jump. Yeah. You know, and he was such a good, caring person. She's like, he's going to be a great dad. Definitely. You know, so that was really uh, ticked all the boxes for her, I guess. He proposes to her in August of 2011, so it's about a year after they meet. People say they're very, like I said, very different. People would say her personality, that she was, like I said, high energy, very, very determined, very headstrong. Even her best friends would call her bossy, but they would say in a good way. She wanted the best for everybody, so she's like, oh, you need to do this, you need to do that, whatever. So that was her bossy nature. They also said she had a quick temper. She would just get angry and, like, maybe say something short or, you know, kind of rude uh that's how she would be but she was very generous and kind to friends and people she cared about his personality they said he was like i said introverted very unemotional very um almost a flat affect where he just didn't get very excited about anything or down about anything he was just kind of even keel all the time um they said he was also very accommodating he was happy to do whatever other people wanted because if that made them happy, because he didn't have a lot of preference about stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like I'm like this a little bit. Like people will say, well, do you want to do this? You're like, I, you know, seriously, I'd be fine either way. And it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just like that. People that, oh, no, you're just trying to be this. No, I really don't care. Yeah. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you want to go eat Chinese food or Italian? I'm fine either way. Exactly. You know, like I'm not super highly opinionated. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I'm on the scale he was where he really didn't make almost any of his opinions known. Yeah. Um, I think there's something there that's a little, there's something else going on. Yeah. It makes you wonder, like, you know, what was the family dynamic with him and his uh, sister growing Mm -hmm. up? You know, was it always just whatever the parents said? I kind of got the sense that he was the one that's always smoothing things out in the family. He was the peacemaker. He would just want to make other people happy and he didn't have a lot of emotion about stuff, but it's like, hey, let's all just get along. Like he didn't he, want to add to the confrontation. He was just, yeah. would rather it 
go smoothly than escalate. Didn't like confrontation. That's that's for sure. He said that I don't like confrontation. So he would be the peacemaker in the family. So yeah, so that was definitely going on. And he's going to play that role in his marriage as well. Mm -hmm. So he proposed to her in 2011. They had actually visited friends in Colorado. And while they were there... Shanann, she, because of her lupus, Mm -hmm. she said she was able to breathe easier while they were visiting friends in Colorado. And so that's where, like, the seed was planted to maybe, hey, we should move here. So that's why they got the idea and then eventually ended up moving to Colorado. Right. Because remember, she had her house, right? She had her house that she owned. He had actually already moved into into her home. Um, When he moved into her home, he turned over his finances to her to manage. Wow. This was before they're married, before they're engaged, anything. Like I said, he didn't have a lot of friends. He had coworkers and they liked him and stuff, but he just didn't socialize. They said we'd invite him to things, but he really wasn't a social person. So when he met Shanann, who had a lot of friends, was very social, all of her friends became like his de facto friends. Mm-hmm. You know how that happens in relationships sometimes, yeah. right? So, um, and they all said they were very impressed at how devoted, they use this word a lot, he was devoted to her. He was devoted to her. Anything she needed, he waited on her hand and foot. He was so in love with her. He was devoted to her. They didn't say, you know, she was demanding this of him. They said this is just who he was. He was so um, happy with her that this is, you know, how he acted with her. Um, Now, we know in a relationship that a person can take advantage of that. Definitely. (laughs) So that may, we'll talk about that later on. But Yeah. yeah, that was definitely him doing it. It wasn't like... This is just who he was. And I think he played that role in his family as well, Mm -hmm. right? But there's going to be problems right away because Shanann's mom and Chris's mom did not get along from the jump. You have more extended family than you're around. Yeah. (laughs) So maybe you had some insights into this, but there was a lot of sniping at each other or a lot of criticism of each other right away. They were saying, oh, how did she afford that house? Definitely. Instead of being happy for her Mm -hmm. and, you know, being happy for him, for him being able to catch such a great catch as a woman, Shanann, you know, independent, independent. has her own successful mansion, 12 bedroom home, <laughs> um, successful. Exactly. Um, instead of being happy for him immediately, they were just, like you said, very snappy, very snarky. But now that you were saying, you know, he was the caretaker and everything, it makes sense that his mom felt almost not intimidated by her, but almost like, you are taking him away from mm-hmm. me because maybe he was the way he was so loving and nurturing towards Shanann. Maybe that's how he was towards his mom and she didn't want to lose that. Yeah, no, there definitely was. You're right. I think there is some of that as well um, because that was both of his mother and father right away were like very unhappy with her because she was taking him away. Remember how upset his dad got when he just moved a couple hours away, yeah, right? So to college. Yeah, and then later on, of course, they're going to move out of state. But come on, this is what happens in new relationships. It's like they're going to spend all their time together. Exactly. You know, and so it was like he's spending all his time with her. And then it's like he's spending all his time with her and her family and not with our family. And there was some of that. And I don't know if the chicken or the egg came first here, if his mother wasn't like criticizing her so she's like i don't want to be around her or you know she just didn't like his mother from the beginning Mm -hmm. i don't know but either way she she did start kind of saying well we're doing this with my family not with your family so Mm -hmm. that that did happen now we see this in relationships too like he could have right away said whoa my family's important to me and you can either be part of it 
or I can go do that by myself, but mm-hmm. either way, I'm going to see my family. Yeah. What did he do instead? Moves away. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, but he, you know, he takes her side. Yeah. You know, we see this. I've seen this in marriages. I don't know if people know this, but, you know, I used to be a counselor. And one of the things that I fell into, which was funny because when I was going to school to be a therapist, I was like, I will never do marriage counseling because it can get ugly mm-hmm. between, you know, relationships, right? Marriages. And somehow I ended up doing marriage counseling and actually was, you know, I enjoyed it. It's so cool to see people who are having problems and then they come and they start working through things and whatever. a little bit of guidance. Yeah, a little bit of guidance and boom, they're back together and they're doing great. They're happy. It's like, that's, that's amazing to be part of that. But one of the things I would see is a lot of times it would be the, the male in the relationship who would defer to the woman as far as relationships and that would have to do with family so if she didn't like his mother or she didn't get along with his sister he would just like cut off the family because he's like i'm gonna side with my wife mm-hmm. that happened a lot i don't know why That's that really is unfortunate mm-hmm. well really it should be from the beginning is just like hey you know we need to talk about this because this is my family it's important i mean if it is important to you if it's something like your family's toxic then that's a different thing definitely so that's what was going on they weren't getting along family was saying they're living beyond their means which mm, there was some of that and we'll see that later on one of the first big fights shenan and cindy watts which cindy watts is um chris's Chris's mom. mom get into a big fight at the engagement party okay wow and that's where Cindy accuses Shanann of turning Chris against his family. And after this fight, Chris breaks off speaking to his family at all. That is so crazy. That is so, when being so close to his dad that his dad was, you know, falls into depression. Now it's like, I don't talk to my family at all. Yeah. Super crazy. And they didn't talk for what? Two years. Two years. Yeah. Two years, which is, that's, that's nuts. And the only reason they started talking was because uh, when Shanann was pregnant mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, you're going to be grandparents. Yeah. So they decide to move to Colorado, like you said, and she has her house. She has to stay behind and wrap things up and sell her house and all this stuff. He goes out there first, finds a job at another Ford dealership. So he moves out there. Once she gets out there, she gets a sales position at the same dealership. Um, that he's working at. And before you know it, she's the top salesperson there. She's mm-hmm. selling more cars than anybody else. She's just one of these people that just is very driven. Um, people at this time said that they saw that she was in charge of everything as far as their relationship is finances, directing his activities. She made decisions for both of them all the time, they said. Mm-hmm. But he never, ever complained about it. They said, we saw him ecstatically happy. He was in love with her. He seemed to like having her do the thinking for the couple. Hmm. And he was always comfortable to play second position because he was so shy. She would take him to everything. Like there'd be parties and there'd be get togethers and things with friends or meeting new people at the Ford dealership. They'd have get togethers and he'd kind of stand back with the beer and just kind of stand there and not really have anything to say that like he was just a little awkward, you know? Yeah. But then it also kind of makes me think, like, you know, what his sister said. Was he kind of on the spectrum? Like, did he have a little bit of Asperger's? You know, they have a hard time being social, um, especially in big groups. Like we mentioned earlier, he was just a very whatever is said goes, whether if it was his parents or her. And not that that's a bad thing. Um, And he obviously enjoyed being that type of husband, son, person. He would go with the flow. Exactly. Yeah. 
So in October of 2012, they purchased a home together, 2825 Saratoga Trail in Frederick, Colorado. So they go back home to North Carolina in 2012, and they get married in Charlotte, North Carolina. This is the sad. His parents did not attend this wedding. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really bad blood in a family. Definitely. To not attend your son's wedding. Yeah. um, I mean, I don't care even if you don't like her. You got to be there for your Your son. son. Right away, both of them wanted to have a family, um, and she definitely wanted to have a family. She starts taking fertility drugs right away to become pregnant. And the reason why I think she did it is because of her lupus. The doctor said it might be hard for her to conceive. Mm -hmm. I think there's something to do with that. Um, But she then becomes pregnant in late March of 2013. This is when he makes peace with the family, telling them they're going to be grandparents. Um, Okay, so they do end up having two children. Bella Marie was born um, December 17th, 2013. And later on, Celeste Catherine, who they called Cece, was born in July of 2015. We're going to get to the case now of how everything unfolded. In May of 2014, Chris leaves the Ford Auto dealership and takes a job as an oil field contractor in Greeley, Colorado. They had been struggling financially, and yeah. so they he needed a higher-paying job. Yeah. He would later say that most of the debt came from their wedding. They put a lot of stuff on credit cards. Yes, owing almost 400000 with less than, what it was, I think it was $9.26 oh, yeah. in the both combined savings account. This was in 2015. So January 2015, she announces that she's pregnant with their second child. Her parents move in with them Mm -hmm. at this time. They lived there for more than a year to help Shanann during her pregnancy. Also in early that year, 2015, he was hired as an operator for another oil uh, petroleum company called Anadarko Petroleum. And he starts making like 60,000 a year in his salary, which is pretty good. Mm Mm-hmm. That year, he'll also turn 30. So they're very young. So young. I just turned 30. And to think, like, what, now pregnant with their second. Um, second home. A second home. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I'm way behind. <laughs> so if that's where he was at, <laughs> you know, at 30. They were way in debt. And they filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. Like you said, they owed almost $450,000. They owed $70,000 on credit cards alone. Wow. You know, that's high, some high interest rate there. Yeah. Um, but in 2014, they were doing well. The income for both of them was $90,000. She was working for a call center at a children's hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was also selling handbags on the side during this time to kind of supplement some income. In June, they filed bankruptcy. In July, that's when Cece is born. And Cece would have health issues at birth. Now, both of those girls had a lot of health issues, mm-hmm. a lot of respiratory issues, Cece's was very serious. She had a a bad allergy and it would cause a swallowing disorder. Um, This is when she was like a newborn. So she was placed on steroids as a newborn to help with her breathing, to keep her breathing passages open and stuff. So that's, you know, really scary. You have a tiny baby like that who you're afraid they're going to stop breathing. So that could make anybody start to be a little bit... You know, anxious, you know, more high stress, more high stress, hovering, you know, very, very protective of your child for sure. But in August of that year, most of their debt was discharged by the federal court. What I read was that the judge discharged their debt as long as they went through a credit counseling course okay. where they had to learn how to manage their finances and they both went through it and they passed it and stuff. And so a lot of the debt was discharged. Chris would later say of this bankruptcy that he was taken surprised by all the debt. Remember, he didn't handle the finances. She yeah. did. 
But he had to know what they were spending. Yeah. And he had to know how much he made. Exactly. I mean, unless she was really good at, like, hiding, you know, packages and yeah, stuff coming in. Yeah, it didn't in. seem like she was the hiding type, uh, though. Definitely not. <laughs> and now that I say that, never mind. Because um, she was posting on Facebook yeah. photos of outfits that she was buying. Even before Cece was born, she had already had a closet full of little girls' clothes. Oh, yeah. And she would post online captions like, oh, I just can't help myself. Can't wait to dress her up. Just little things like that. So, no, yeah. she was not good at hiding <laughs> what yeah. she was Yeah, and that's something we haven't said, you know, but yeah, Shanann was a very on social media type of person and she loved, you know, posting on Facebook and also the videotaping. She'd videotape mm-hmm. a lot of things to post on uh, Facebook. So a lot of her life was just out there in the public, which really made this case interesting because everything is recorded um, in texts, in posts, in videos from their whole relationship all the way to the murders that happened. So in January 2016 is when Shanann begins working as an independent consultant, or you could also call it like a brand promoter, a multi-level marketing business for a business, a company called Thrive Premium Lifestyle Products. These are nutritional supplements, things like vitamins, uh, like protein drinks, Mm -hmm. um, and something called Derma Fusion Technology. They always come up with these names for these things. DFT. And these were patches that you actually wore right on your skin that are supposed to help you lose weight. Yeah, like give you energy, help you lose weight. Some of the photos you can actually see Chris wearing the patches. He'd wear them on his biceps and then he'd also wear them on his back. He would have two of them. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like he would double up on these things. I don't know what that was, but anyway. She did well for herself um, with, I think it was called Lavelle. Again, she was a very driven person. She mm-hmm. was a very extroverted person. And that's the kind of person you have to be to sell product. She sold $800 worth of this product in five days. She doubled this a week later, but within a month, she had earned $1,000 in commissions. And, and you know, people start these multi-level, and they sell to all their family and their friends. But mm-hmm. she just, everybody, teach, you know, her kids' teachers and, da, 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 and the, the nurse, the, the hospital. And not only that, but these kind of things, it's not just selling the product, but it's getting other people to sell the product. Yes, to sign up under you. Yes, because now you build this, what do you call that? It's kind of like your team. Your team, yeah. yeah. And so whatever they sell, you get a you get a commission off of, and, you know, that's how the multi-level works. So that's what she was doing. Not only was she selling product to people, but she was actively trying to promote this so people would also sign up and be sales reps for this company. By September 2016, which is like eight months later, nine months later, she reached management level at a $40,000 sales uh, level with Thrive. I guess it's called Thrive is the, the name they use. There's two names. There was Lavelle Level, something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but he would call it Thrive. I think that's the way they promote it is called Thrive. She also put Chris as a consultant underneath her. <laughs> Even though he wasn't doing any of the selling, she was selling just yeah. as another line, like another, you know, sales line for him. And then she'd post these things. Oh, wow, Chris just made his such and such <laughs> oh bonus. Meanwhile, she was doing all the work. Yeah. You know, um, she was able to earn a car, like a, you know, like a car allowance, I guess. And you get this car and then he, same thing for him. So he could get a car. She really did believe in the product because I said she had these health problems and she started taking this. She said, I just started having so much energy and started feeling so much better. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently something about it helped her as far as, you know, who knows if this was truly like a physical thing or if it's a more of a mental thing for her that made her more, like feel, I don't know, better. Mm -hmm. Um, They did both seem to be much more 
healthy and getting in shape and exercising and all this stuff. Not when they were first married, but at this time when they were, you know, when she started this business, he weighed 245 pounds, which is pretty heavy. Yeah. He wasn't like tall and muscular. No, he was very like a more of a, you know, smaller framed guy. Mm -hmm. And he really started losing a lot of weight. I think he first lost like 40 pounds and then he's working out. The Chris Watts you see on all the videos and things from later on, that is not what he looked at like when they were, you know, married and having their kids and stuff. Even the first uh, round of family photos that when Cece was born, he looks not good. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't Uh, even look healthy, no, at all. And I get it, the stress of finances family stress kids and stuff okay put on a little bit of dad weight but like he just did not look yeah healthy at all so you know it's good that they did find this company to help them both so she starts doing all these facebook live videos for thrive to promote thrive to show you know their home and how good they're doing and all of the things she's accomplishing with thrive and all this you know again it's kind of a sales pitch but also she really believed in it Mm -hmm. um she's taking videos because she's earning trips for her and her husband to go to all these places Mm -hmm. they went to new orleans they had a mexico trip meanwhile at the same time her kids were going through a lot of health. They, you know, get sick and go in the emergency room and have to be on put on medications and stuff. So that was also racking up some debt because mm. apparently didn't have health insurance or maybe because it was emergency room. I'm not sure. But they had things like asthma, allergies, other respiratory issues, kind of like the, some of the things it seemed like maybe that she had had when she was younger. Yeah. I do also know that Shanann started taking nursing classes, but she never continued them So. At this point now, she also started to accrue some student loan debts okay. after her last debts were already dismissed. Okay. So now, you know, it's, it's almost like the snowball effect. Yeah. So at the end of that year in 2016, Cece had a severe allergic reaction to nuts, which I guess is something they weren't aware of yet, how severe that allergy was. And she ends up in an emergency room. It was pretty dire. It was pretty scary. Mm-hmm. So now we're in January 2017. Everything is going to happen here in mid-2018. Chris is in really good shape. He's lost almost 40 pounds. He's running and working out every day. He would eventually lose over 60 pounds, going from 245 to 180, which is the the pictures you see him out later on, that he's around 180. That's pretty good for one year. I mean, she started selling in January, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, I mean, by January 2017, to lose 60 pounds, that's pretty good. A part of her job was to promote the hell out of the products. Before she got the job with Lavelle or Thrive, she was already super active on Facebook. But now with the job, the way she promoted was so much so online. And she made her life just feel like it was so great and dandy almost because of the company. Mm -hmm. Like, look, we're taking these um, supplements. Look how great Chris looks. Look how good I feel. Look at how great our life is. If you take these products, you can have a life like this too. And that is what a lot of these MLM companies Mm -hmm. do. And obviously, you know, for her, like you said, it was helping her get better. But yeah, just like online, she was almost wanting to manifest this like perfect life so much that she was telling herself like this is what it is and then behind closed doors as we know now you have the neighbors saying that they heard them fighting and stuff so yeah don't ever believe what you see on social media no no you don't don't believe it but their neighbors would remember hearing chris and shanann in their home screaming and arguing with one another but out in public in all the videos she was posting they appeared to be very happy Mm mm-hmm but of course, you know, yeah. we don't show our 
private face in public. So in 2017, Shannon had already sold over $700,000 in Thrive products with her and her team, I believe. Wow. Earned four trips and two cars or two car allowances. Yet they were still living beyond their means and they were in debt. The girls were both enrolled, and these are preschool, preschool, attending $25,000 per year preschool. Crazy. Plus medical bills, thousands in credit card bills, debt. Um, like I said, he was earning around 61000 She earned around 60000 that year. But in March of 2017, they were three months behind on their mortgage payments. Wow. They had to get caught up. They would, it'd have to go through court, but you would you could lose your home. Mm-hmm. I mean, the bank would come take it. Which is so crazy because, again, we, going back to her having this, like, online perso- persona that everything is so great and dandy, um, how could you allow it to get that bad? Like, you're about to lose your home where you were raising your two daughters. Yeah. And this was one of the things that I think was a legitimate complaint of Chris's parents, even though they went about it the wrong way, is that they said she's very materialistic. Like she wants to show this face of, oh, look, we've got these great cars and we do this and we do that. And meanwhile, they don't have the money to do that. Mm-hmm. But she liked having that successful image. And like you said, it it was also something that was exacerbated by the fact that the more she showed this successful image, the more she could get people in her business and the more money she could make. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of this vicious circle. Definitely. But, you know, I mean, again, being young, we know a lot of people young that get in this kind of debt. They go yeah. out right away and get this, you know, car loan for this $75,000 car and they're making, you know, $25 an hour or yeah. whatever. Our society, though, especially, I mean, it depends on where you live, but I think it's America for sure. In definitely. California, definitely. It's that instant gratification lifestyle. Yeah. We want everything now. Exactly. You know, we don't want to wait for anything, especially, you know, younger millennials, whatever you call them. They don't <laughs> yeah. want to wait for anything. Our parents waited for their whole freaking lives. Exactly. I waited half of my life. Now my kids are waiting, you know, a third of their life or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. But, you know, it keeps going like that. And now it's like, hey, you should just have everything you want. Especially, hey, it's a pandemic. We could die tomorrow. Go, you know, yes. put it on a credit card. Go on vacation. <laughs> get the best of everything. You know, right. I get it. I totally get it. You know, but it, yeah, you got to be careful because it can be very, very stressful. And For sure. So like you were saying, the timing of this stuff, they ended up having to take out a $10,000 loan against Chris's 401k, which is something you don't want to do. Gosh. You need that money for your retirement, mm-hmm. right? And now you're taking it out and you're going to be taxed Sell the $10,000 wedding ring. Yeah, exactly. Except for there's not a very high return on value wedding on rings. that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Furniture, wedding, wedding rings, cars, any of those things. And so they did that. And yet she's still trying to get pregnant with a third child. I cannot. Yeah. <laughs> That, to me, seems like it would be extremely stressful. Yeah. I don't know. I think she just had this belief that she could achieve anything. I think she really did believe that. And she thought, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be fine. Maybe she thought, oh, if, you know, we have another child, that will make us closer again, or that will make him happy, you know, because they were trying for a boy. Mm -hmm. They have two girls are trying for a boy, right? I don't even know what that means, trying for a boy. You're going to get what you're going to get. Exactly. (laughs) When I was younger, I do remember hearing, like, certain positions can, like, help you get a boy. It's all wives' tales. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, Hispanic moms and grandmas. Yeah. They all think the they string <laughs> with the penny over your stomach. It's a boy. It's a girl. Come on. You know this stuff. At this point, what? They were, Chris turned 30 when yeah. in, I think it was 20, 2015. 15, yeah. So now, or excuse me, 30. He's yeah. like 32, 31. 32 at this point. Yeah. Um, 
my boyfriend is 34 and I can't imagine him being a dad with three three kids it, it, like planning for it. I look That's at a lot yeah we have to say this though all the videos that you see of Chris's he is in dad mode definitely you know yeah, he's he doing really all the stuff with the kids not even just being like oh the dad he's like doing the girl's hair and you know picking out their clothes and not that Shanann didn't she did but she was doing a lot more with the business so she was going to you know uh, meetings and trainings trips so yes he stepped right in he said I always wanted to be involved with my kids that's yeah. that's what you do and he did he did a lot of stuff with them We're going to talk about the things leading directly up to the day of the crime, um, and that would be August Monday, August 13th, 2018. Either they're having a great marriage or they're having a crappy marriage, but either way, or both, we don't know. It's something in the middle. Um, they're just having a marriage. They're a young couple. They have kids. You know, she's pregnant. They're um, trying to pay their mortgage. They're, you know, both working, all of this stuff. 2018, this 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 woman, I'm going to say young woman, she's only a couple years younger than him, I think, um, starts working at the company that he works at, Anadarko. Her name is Nicole Kessinger. I guess this will go by Nikki because there's going to be another Nicole that is uh, prominent in this story. She works in another department, health and safety department at the same company. And uh, he first had to interact with her on June 1st of 2018 but one thing people say about her is that she was, I don't know how you, how do you, how do you describe this? She, like I said, she wasn't super young, but she was a very vibrant person. She was a person who knew how to dress for her figure, who was very athletic. Um, and they'd say she would walk through the lunchroom and all the guys would turn and look at her, that gotcha. kind of thing, you know. So it wasn't like she was a 22-year-old or whatever. She was 30, 31 or whatever at the time, but she was an, I don't like to. I don't like to comment on, on people's, especially women's looks mm -hmm. on this podcast because that's problematic. But I just want to say, because it does play a big kind of part of this uh, story about the attraction between her and Chris, that I did find her to be attractive, but not like... Not in a way that you'd be like, oh, my God, she's beautiful. Yeah. I would say Shanann was beautiful. Yeah. Um, I agree. Uh, same with, you know, not wanting to comment on especially women's looks and stuff. But, yeah, just even the way Shanann would do her makeup and stuff. She always looked so put together. Like, she mm -hmm. always had, like, pretty lipstick on. She Her hair was always done nice. She just seemed very uh, high energy and just... That vibrant kind. yeah now nikki i think was different i think she commanded a lot of attention because she just there's just some women that just have this way about them just the confidence of like yeah you know, like confident she walked into the break room or whatever and probably yeah she was the new girl yeah she's a new girl too yeah <laughs> a new girl on campus and they were like ooh, you know i don't know if there was a lot of it's, it's a petroleum company you think there'd be a lot of women maybe not because i used to work in construction offices Believe me, <laughs> like every girl that walks in there is like yeah. Marilyn Monroe to, because there's no girls in there. <laughs> you know, so, so there could have been that. But I do think that she did have a way about her that was very attractive to men. Mm -hmm. I think that's just true. So I wonder, did you read this? Do you know if she approached him or if he approached her? Okay, the way that I heard it, I think it was mutual, but 
she pursued him. Okay. Which is something that he said had never happened before. Okay, yeah, because he was the one who pursued Shanann big time. So that was new for him. So getting this attention from this woman that all the guys thought was hot, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's that's ego flattering for sure. For sure. You know, and then him not having that confidence to to approach women and things like that. So he starts having this attraction towards this woman. And at first, nothing is happening. There's some flirting, I think. That's about it. She would later tell police that she didn't know he was married, which is kind of hard to believe. Yeah. And I don't believe it, to be honest. Police investigation would later determine that she searched the internet for Chris Watts on August 3rd, 2017. So this was a year before? Mm-hmm. She started almost a year before she started talking to him? Okay, so, so she, she had worked... She had worked there, but they hadn't really... Well, uh, they, okay. at least he said they hadn't met or they, she didn't... I don't know, whatever. But anyway... So, I don't know. That's very odd. But that yeah. was in, I, and I double-checked that date. That's what wow. it said. So And he for sure had to pop up because of all the photos and videos and everything that... All the Facebook <laughs> stuff that she that Shanann was doing. Yeah. Um, she also Googled uh, Shanann a month after that. So, she oh, wow. knew. So, she did know. Yeah. So, this was, like I said, they first talked on June 1st. There's some flirting going on. June 11th is when Shanann posts this video that is now known around the world announcing her pregnancy saying that chris comes in the room and she's wearing a t-shirt that says oops we did it again mm-hmm. which is really cute if you yeah. think about it it's very yeah. it's very cute it's kind of <laughs> it's kind of cheesy for me but you know yeah it's cute and he seemed very excited about it yeah he like giggled and was like oh that's awesome that's and awesome yeah he you could tell he still didn't like being on camera but yeah but he was not like what the hell like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like, his face oh, did shit. not fall or anything <laughs> like that yeah you know, he seemed like wow um, but then, okay, so this is June 11th. The next day, he tells Nikki, who now he's talking to, that he and his wife are getting separated. So, yeah, so she had to have known then. Yeah. That, that he for sure was still married. Oh, now he, he's saying- yeah, she knew he was married, but later on she would say that he had told her they were getting separated. But they were still living in the same house. Like, yeah. he didn't say they were living in a different house. He said he was looking for an apartment. Now he and Nikki been exchanging phone numbers through his work cell phone because... Shanann, she knew everything that was going on with him. She yeah. knew he had his cell phone login, his email login, his bank account, bank account, everything. credit cards, ATM cards, all that stuff. So now he has got to be careful. He would sit later say that he thought it was just flirting with Nikki, and he had, this is when he said he had never been pursued by a woman before, so it was very flattering to him. Um, on June 19th, so about a week later, is when Chris and uh, Shanann learned that they're having a boy. The baby boy is due January 31st, 2019. Wow. Uh, a couple days later, Chris and Shanann take a trip to San Diego, another one of her trips. This is when Shanann's parents come to babysit. And this is when they say they notice Chris has lost a lot of weight and he's looking and acting very differently. They said they see him more impatient with the girls than mm. they'd never seen that before. But when they were in San Diego, him and uh, Shanann, he meets with an old friend that he used to know. And tells him that he's been talking to a woman at work. Oh. So he's already told one person now that he's interested in this other woman. Mm-hmm. But everybody says he's still acting all lovey-dovey with Shanann during this trip. Um, pictures and videos and all of that stuff. Which is, this is something that really stands out to me later on. Because even when he's playing these two women at the same time, even when he is acting and behaving as if he's getting ready to end things with Shanann, 
he's still telling her, I love you. He's still doing all this lovey-dovey stuff. Even if you're not ready to say, hey, I'm out, to at least not respond in kind when she's saying, you know, I love you. He's like, yeah, I love you too, and I miss you, and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, for being somebody who was very shy, had like a hard time talking and stuff, he always knew like the right thing to say. Um, Even when him and Nikki started dating, he would write her love letters and love notes and then also like lyrics from songs. And so that's how they were able to fall in love so quickly. He always just knew the right thing to say. Yeah, Um, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. But yeah, you're right. Like, if he was so bad at communicating or didn't really show anything. But yeah, he did. Like, the weight loss gave him the confidence to finally, you know, come out of his own. But Mm -hmm. yeah, that is interesting. They returned from from San Diego. This is on June 26th. And then uh, Shanann's going to go to North Carolina for, uh, how long did she? Six weeks. Six weeks. So, like, the whole summer, pretty much, Mm -hmm. with her her daughters to go visit um, her parents. But it worked out perfectly for him because he's already now ramping things up with Nikki. Yeah. And now he's got all, he's like, he's like a a single guy now. Yeah. Because she's gone. Just gets home from a vacation in San Diego. And then now just goes. Yeah. Yeah, Bad, bad timing. Yeah. Um, So as soon as he drops off at the airport, he's calling Nikki to say, hey, let's, let's go out. They go out on this date and he's telling her all the stuff that. Him and Shanann are getting separated. Their house is now up for sale. They're no longer sleeping together. Um, they're dealing with their finances and just to get everything settled for this divorce is mm-hmm. what he's telling her. Of course, he's told none of this to Shanann. This has not come up. Yeah. Um, he tells Nikki that he fell out of love with his wife because she was, quote, bossy and said she controlled and belittled him. Now, this is the one point that I, I wonder about, and if it's true, it, it's... It's not good. He says that because of the way that Shanann is with him, that his girls now are being disrespectful to him. Mm. You know, that could be a big blow. Yeah. Especially if he felt like he was very close to them. You know, there's videos where the, his daughter's singing, you're my hero daddy yeah. and stuff like that. And that's that's a big change. I don't know <clears throat> if that's true, but I mean... It would make sense if, you know, her parents noticed that he was being more stern with the girls. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe, yeah, it started to happen. They were starting to disrespect him and, you know, not listen or whatever. How old were they? You know, they're kids. And so, yeah, maybe he they started to... Three and four. uh, Maybe they started to act a certain way, and so he did feel like he had to... Yeah, Yeah, they mimic. You know, and Shanann will write a letter to him, and she does say that. She does say, I need to be more respectful when I speak to you. So there was some of that going on. Mm -hmm. Again, this is something you bring up. Yeah. And say that, uh, no, that doesn't work. Yeah. Like, that's disrespectful. I don't talk to you that way. I don't appreciate that. Exactly. You don't just keep your mouth shut until you decide, like, you're going to blow up and just hate everything in your life Um, so he's with Nikki now he's going to spend pretty much every day with her this this five or six weeks that uh, Shanann is gone they quickly become intimate they start planning a future together Um, they're planning going to go on trips together he starts ignoring calls when Shanann's away Mm -hmm. that's dumb he's ignoring her calls not responding to her texts for hours of course because he's with his girlfriend he's spending every night at Nikki's house while he's away or while she's away so within a couple of weeks, he's taking Nikki out in public to restaurants. So dumb. I know. <laughs> so crazy. But doesn't this kind of like tell you the motivation is like, I'm done with that marriage. Yeah. I'm in this new relationship. 
But like I said, he's still texting the I love you messages to Shanann. And this is what you're talking about, the fight. Do you want to talk about uh, that? Yeah. So on July 15th, it was either like a birthday or Shanann's mom's birthday or a barbecue. I'm pretty sure it was a barbecue. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was ice cream with nuts in it. And Shanann flipped out mm-hmm. on yeah. Cindy Watts for bringing out the ice cream or for even bringing the ice cream into the home because of Cece's allergy. And she immediately texts Chris saying, you need to text your dad saying, I don't appreciate this. This is absolutely ridiculous. They don't understand the severity of how bad like she could die and the parents kind of did brush it off like oh she's overreacting just because she can't have it why can't the rest of the guests have it but Shanann was adamant that it could not be in the house Mm -hmm. Um, even if she didn't consume any of it she just can't even be around it so then on July 15th that's when they celebrated Cece's birthday while they were in North Carolina and then Chris's parents um, didn't attend that because the fight was so bad they were like we're not gonna go to this party yeah with her um especially after that big blow up i can understand being really worried about your kids because if they have the severe allergy and stuff like that but i don't know i i feel like there was already bad blood between her and the mother-in-law and i think this this just blew it up more um i think she did overreact in a way and i think because she overreacted the parents instead of saying oh my god we're so sorry they were like just calm down yeah. you know so that made it worse definitely so shanann did blow it up even more because she's posting things mm-hmm. on facebook about what her in-laws did yes and she's texting her friends mm-hmm. um <laughs> saying pretty messed up things like i don't ever care if they're in my life anymore i don't care if i ever see them ever yeah. again mm-hmm. um again think about your daughters maybe they forgot uh, maybe next time they need to be better about <laughs> checking ingredients oh and that's actually what it was it didn't even have nuts in it but on the label it said this product is manufactured oh, yeah. in a place which that, is pretty much everything it didn't even exactly. have nuts in it no i had no idea yeah so it, it just on the label okay. now i think that the daughter did have more of a severe allergy but of course shenan they said she was on this so she had her medication she had her epi pen mm-hmm. she had everything if there was an emergency she knew exactly what to do she had taken classes for it you know it, it is worrying but to go out and start putting things like they're trying to kill my kid exactly and, i mean no that's that was over the top yeah she's texting friends that chris's parents are out of their lives and she never wants to see them again yeah um and again him always knowing what to say he responds you're right it's not fucking cool at all because it's the kids i will set this right at that point she doesn't even want him to set it right yeah you and know? Then, but the thing is see he's still taking her side yeah instead of saying okay calm down mm-hmm. <laughs> let me i'll talk to them find out what happened and then get back to you and see what we need to do i think he's trying to appease her because he's over there having a good time with the girlfriend and he just wants her to stop calling him and texting yeah. him yeah he'll say whatever <laughs> yeah because then he goes camping with nikki yeah <laughs> like now he's even out of cell range and everything yeah like uh, yeah and so shenan becomes suspicious because he's acting distant he's not answering her calls responding to texts of course, you know, he's doing all this stuff. He's telling Nikki he loves her now. She's Googling wedding dresses, believing that he's leaving oh, his wow. wife. I mean, this just goes on and on. During that time, it had been like 48 hours that Shanann had heard from him. And that's why she had gotten so suspicious and angry at him. Um, some of the text messages were, you don't say I love you or even initiate conversation unless I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she was also like, 
if anything, don't you want to talk to your daughters? So yeah. she was so upset at this yeah. point. Yeah, I mean, I would be too. I, I think I would be, definitely, if I couldn't get a hold of him and stuff, and you knew, you know, we're so far away from you and stuff like that. So I get that part of it. I think there's, but you know, I think the whole family dynamic was bad from beginning. Yeah. So yeah, this may seem like so overblown and oh my God, Shanann's just out of control. But I think that it had just been building up over the years they've been married. It had been eight years now. Mm-hmm. Um, do I think it was the right thing? No, it wasn't. None of them, you no. know, but it's, yeah, it, it was what it was as a family thing. So then he's going to go out to North Carolina for the last part of the trip. Yes. So on July 31st, now, you know, he leaves his girlfriend and he flies to North Carolina. She's even texts him like, yeah. text me when you're coming down the plane because I want to videotape the girls seeing you, you know, for the first time coming yep. off the plane or whatever. She's telling friends once he gets there, he acts very distant. He doesn't want to have sex with her. He, she said, he was all over me before I left. And then, you know, now he hasn't seen me in weeks and he's not even interested in touching me, kissing me, hugging me, nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, And every time he can get away from her, he's calling Nikki. Wow. (laughs) Like, dude, give it a rest for a week. (laughs) Yeah. So then they had planned a trip to Myrtle Beach with both set of parents, but Shanann is not going to allow Chris's parents to go. So there's all of this stuff still going on. Chris now becomes angry about her not allowing his parents to come are sleeping separately now because they're in this fight, but we know why he's sleeping separately. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because he thinks he's in love with Nikki now. He's no longer in love with his wife. He's wow. done. They're sending lots of nudes photos to each other, which Nikki, hello, even if you delete them, they can yeah. get them. We know this. Duh. <laughs> yes. Like maybe you didn't know it, but everybody else did. Yeah. Um. So finally on August 3rd, she starts saying, hey, what is going on? Shanann starts asking Chris, what the hell's going on? Begging him to tell her what's wrong. Blames that on her turning away his parents, which is a you know good excuse I guess you could use. Yeah. But he's calling his parents then and telling them he wants to be separated from her. And they get in a big fight that night. Uh, on August 7th, Shanann is texting her friends saying that Chris says he doesn't want the third child. He wishes they, she wasn't pregnant. Wow. Which is, you know, really, really hurtful. This is when she finally starts to suspect that he's cheating on her. And they fly home to Colorado. This we'll find out later on. Yeah. He would later admit that he was so desperate to leave Shanann for Nikki that he would grind up oxycodone tablets into her protein shake wow. in the hopes that she'd miscarry. Oh the first time gosh. he did that was when they were in North Carolina. Wow. She was sick on the airplane the whole way. Now he admits that that's why. Oh, my gosh. Where do you even get it? <laughs> well, that's the other thing, too. They asked him that. He said, I take that to my grave. We don't know. Hmm. His dad, his girlfriend, mm, his, who knows? Yeah. It could have been from a co-worker. It could have been anyone. Yeah. You know, he could have stole it from, you know, medicine cabinet. Yeah. Could have yeah. done anything. You could tell she's not meaning it, but she's she's trying to get a rise out of him. She's trying to get him to, to worry that he's yeah. going to lose her. Yeah. She says that he can find a place to live when they return to Colorado and threatens to put the house on the market and thinks he's going to say, no, 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 no. And he just doesn't even respond. You know, yeah. that, that, that's your clue that he's, he's done. He's, he's checked else, out. Yeah. Totally somewhere else. Uh, August 8th, he returns to work. <laughs> this is weird detail. He tells his boss that he and his wife are having problems. And if his boss sees, quote, anything goofy on his work truck GPS, because his work truck is tracked because he goes to all these oil sites. well sites and stuff. Yeah. He says that's because he might be staying with a friend. Now, we know this because he's always with Nikki. Yeah. You know, and Nikki works for this company. So, hello. Oh, gosh. He asked for Friday, this, that Friday off to take Shanann to the airport because Shanann is going to be flying to Arizona for a work uh, event trip thing. 
So that day, August 8th, he goes to Nikki's house, has sex with her, and then goes and picks up Shanann and takes her for her ultrasound. Wow. I mean, how do people do these I things? I know. I don't even have time to wash my hair, <laughs> let alone. And then, and, then, and then know all the lies to tell about exactly. when you washed your hair and who washed your <laughs> <Yes>. hair. <laughs> chef, who you use. Oh, my gosh. To have, yeah, you got two kids, a wife, and a girlfriend and now. A, and a job. And a job. Yeah. Oh, my God. My goodness. They were supposed Maybe to have- I should try some of these supplements, <laughs> the energy that he had to be able to Yeah, I didn't think about that. Maybe this. that really did help him keep everything in order, man. Gosh. Crazy. They were supposed to have a gender reveal party, but he has been so shitty about everything that she said, forget it. They cancel it. Um, but that next day, he deletes his Facebook account. I wonder how she reacted to that. I don't know. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, she must have known, I guess. And he said he would, at that point, he had planned a new start with his girlfriend. He tells his dad (laughs) that he's free of his marriage now. Wow. Which, of course, he's not. No. This is the weirdest thing. And I still don't know what to make of it. I don't know if you heard anything or read anything about this. That morning, after he deletes his Facebook page uh, account or whatever, he sends this really weird picture to Shanann. It's a picture of one of the girls' dolls lying on the sofa in their home with just a sheet covering it. Like it's like you cover a dead body. That is really weird. No comment on it. Ooh. No nothing. What does she do? What, I would call him like, what the, you yeah. know, dude, you know, no, she posted on Facebook and says, oh. I don't know what to think about this. Like with this weird face, like emoji face or whatever. Oh my gosh. I mean, creepy. Super creepy. Yeah. I mean, it could be, hey, you forgot to put the sheet back because he liked his stuff clean and stuff. I don't know. But I don't know. <laughs> very it's weird. Very weird. He starts doing some very strange things at this point. And they're 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 kind of dot the rest of the story. But, yeah. Um but she's still desperate to get things worked out with their marriage. Of course. Mm-hmm. She's pregnant, she's got two kids, she loves him, you know. She writes this letter telling him that she loves him, and she orders a marriage book to be sent to the house when she's away. Now, she's got the book downloaded on her Kindle. She's going to read it that weekend while she's traveling. And then when they come home, he should have read it so they can talk about it and start working on some stuff. Mm-hmm. So that same day, she tells people that the, the baby that they're, that they're having is a boy and that they have decided they're going to name him Nico Lee Watts. I think that's a cute name, that Nico. That is cute. Mm-hmm. And plans to announce it to everybody on monday but that night you know he's moving on he's already making plans with nikki all the stuff but that night he tells her that they will work things out and that he loves her and then he goes to sleep in the basement where he spends two hours on the phone with nikki oh my goodness you, you know pull the ripcord yeah only thing i can think on that is he already knows what yeah. he's gonna do yeah you know so he doesn't worry about you know just let her stay in her delusion because it does not going to even matter. Yeah. Right. Friday, August 10th, she attends a business conference in Scottsdale. She goes with her friend, Nicole Atkinson. That's the other Nicole. Yeah. We'll just call her Nicole. <clears throat> Nicole picks her up at 430 in the morning to take her to the airport. She leaves this letter for Chris on the kitchen counter. It's a long letter. Yeah. I'm saying all this stuff about, you know, how disappointed she is and how things are going and how she wants to make things work and how much she loves him and, you know, all of these things, but also some of her frustrations in there too about, you know, you do this now, I'm pregnant and all of that. Um, And I, you know, I don't get it, Um, but also kind of 
pointing out some of her own faults and how she's going to work on those things. And she's learned from reading, learning from reading this book that she's maybe not talking to him correctly and she needs to be more respectful. So she is owning some of this stuff, you know, that she knows she's not perfect. But here's the thing. He's never told her what the problem is. Yeah. Still has not said, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like that. He's saying nothing. He's gone radio silent on her. Mm -hmm. Even when they're together, he will not speak about it. He just shuts up. So, I mean, that's super frustrating. Then he, you know, goes home and sets up this date for with Nikki that he's going to go out with her on Saturday. He's still he's work on Friday. And he's going to get a babysitter for the girls, all of this stuff. So he's already got his weekend planned. In Scottsdale, Shanann does call her real estate agent to ask about selling the house and purchasing another one nearby. I think maybe that two things. One is they're having the financial problems. Mm-hmm. So maybe she's saying we can't keep up this mortgage payment. Or she's thinking, she's a planner. She might be thinking, if he is going to leave me or try to divorce me, I need to downsize so that I can um, see to my kids. Yeah. Also, I think that she knows he's going to stay there. I don't think she would just immediately go home to North Carolina because she wants to work things out. And just me trying to be in her head a little bit, that's kind of what I came up with. The book comes from Amazon that she bought for him. Bought for him. (laughs) Throws it in the trash. He throws the whole package in the trash. Wow. Which, of course, idiot. Detectives yeah. find later. <laughs> Duh. He is not good at no. covering, even though he tried, he was terrible at it. This is on Friday. He takes the day off, supposedly to take her to the airport, but he doesn't take her to the airport because her friend takes her to the airport. So mm-hmm. he just wanted the day to do whatever he was doing. I think he was planning for his date with Nikki or something. Yeah. Um, anyway, he stops to talk to some coworkers. The girls are in the car. With him. Um, and he hears about a leak at one of the oil wells. So he jumps in at that point. This is why I think maybe there's some planning here. He volunteers to go out to this oil site himself first thing on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Now, he already told his wife it was going to be Bella's first day of kindergarten. And she had asked him, do you want to go with me to take her to her first day? He said, yeah, I'm there. I'm going to be there. Now he's saying he's going to go out to this oil well. So what does that tell you? <laughs> He already knew Monday, I'm not taking anybody anywhere. Yeah. Yikes. That was really chilling to me when I saw that little detail. Definitely. That night he calls Nikki and says his divorce is moving forward. And Shenan has agreed to split everything 50-50. He says that this transition will start on Monday when she comes back from Arizona. That's Friday. Saturday, August 11th, Shenan's in Arizona. All her friends are saying that they're there with her, her team, her friend, whatever are saying that she's not eating, she's not sleeping, she's completely distraught, she mm-hmm. says something's going on, he's trying to end the marriage, and I don't know what to do, and she's just not looking good. While she's there, she books a weekend trip for the following weekend to Aspen for her and Chris to go oh, work on their marriage. You know, I mean, she, this is the last-ditch efforts of somebody who's desperate to yeah. hold on to this man. And, you know, she loves him, and she doesn't want to lose him and all this stuff. Uh, meanwhile, he's taking Nikki out to dinner. This is the other detail that, Um, The detectives really picked up on all this time. He's been using his company credit card or cash whenever he's with Nikki. This night he takes her to dinner and he uses his joint ATM card with Shanann. I I think he wanted to her to see that. Yeah, I think he did too. I, I think it was a showdown. Definitely. Yeah, I think that was part of it. Because, uh, like, I have the same thing on my phone whenever, I, I don't know why I do it because it's annoying, but whenever I make a charge, it sends me a, a text, but alert saying, oh, you made a such and such charge from blah, 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 you mm-hmm. know? And so she got that immediately. And wow. he would know that. Yeah. And it says that he made a $68 charge at this restaurant called the Lazy Dog. So 
she calls him to ask him what he ate. He tells her. <laughs> Gosh. <laughs> this is him you used to just, okay. You know, yeah. she asked, I, I answered. Spit firing. No like, big deal. Yeah. You know, whatever. It's just how it is. I get it because of everything that's going on. She's kind of wondering, like, she's so something in her head. is happening yeah. here. Well, no, she's not in her head. She, all of her feelings are absolutely valid. Like, she has every reason to feel the way she is. And her suspicions, suspicions yeah, are yep. so real. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably do the same, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, she goes online, checks the menu. It's like, okay, if he ordered that and had that to drink, it would have only cost half of that. So Gosh. what the hell is yeah. the other thing? So she talks to her friends. Like, she's very suspicious. She thinks, you know, he's going out with somebody else. Um, and she tells her friend Nicole that she's going to confront him about this when she returns home. That Sunday, Chris spends a day with the girls. He takes them to a friend's birthday party. He's just, you know, doing regular dad stuff. This is so weird to me. Mm-hmm. That's why, why the case is just so interesting because it's like so many different personalities. This loving father, yeah. super attentive husband in the beginning. And like, how can it switch? Um, I know yeah. later on in interviews, he would say he never thought anything was wrong in the marriage until he met Nikki. But for it to change that quickly. Within a couple of weeks. Yeah. is just honestly like that is chilling. That makes my tummy hurt because it's so sad. And everything that she was feeling like leading up to it. Um, my heart goes out to her, especially feeling that low. And I know she loved him and everything, but. Even at that birthday party on um, August 12th, I think either Cece, one of them fell off a swing and uh, he was so attentive and so nurturing and caring. And um, people who were at that party were like, wow, he's such a great dad and he loves those girls. And so just it's so it's so bizarre. It is so bizarre. And that's that's why this case got such high publicity for it. So he's still talking to Nikki, all that's going on. She was supposed to be home that evening, but there was a delay, I guess, weather or something She's from Arizona to Colorado. And um, she boards the flight. It doesn't leave until two hours later than it's supposed to. So she gets, she's going to get home really, really late. Um, when she does c- try to call him to tell him about this, he gets really angry and says, you interrupted my workout. Mm-hmm. It's just not in character for him either. And he just says he has to go. And she's like, oh, my God, like, what is going on? Um and then he doesn't answer the phone later because he's on the phone with Nikki. Um, she texts him after boarding the flight two hours late. He finally texts back saying he'd fallen asleep and he hadn't seen her message. And he said, that's going to be late, um, talking about her arrival time. Mm-hmm. The plane doesn't land till 1.30. Now, she's with her friend, Nicole, because they had gone together. Lands at 1.30 a.m. and is driven home by Nicole. As Shanann's being dropped off, she tells Nicole she doesn't plan to wake him up. She just wants to put her arms around him and feel him close. Mm-hmm. That's it. He does kind of corroborate that later on. Yeah. But. So she's dropped off at 2 a.m. This is August 13th now. At 9 in the morning, Nicole calls to check on her friend because she knows she's got a doctor appointment. She also knows that, you know, this is going on. Shanann has been in a bad place all weekend. She wants to check on her. At 9 in the morning, there's no answer from Shanann, which is not like her. She always answers her phone. At 9.20, she texts Shanann to ask how the doctor appointment went. There's no response. By 11.45, Nicole is just like, I got to find out what's going on. And she goes to the house. Yeah, She had already spoken with Shanann's mother, who said that Chris told her that Shanann had, quote, gone to a friend's house with the kids for a play date, but had not said who the friend was or anything like that. Nicole had also spoken to Chris as well. He also told her the same story, but... 
he said that her and Shannon were separating and selling the house too. Hmm. So she's now now really worried, like, oh my God, if this is going on, she's probably like in a bad place. I got to find out what's going on. And fr- family and friends start calling as well because Nicole's trying to reach her through family and friends. And they're saying he seems very like disengaged from it. And they were just, he doesn't seem concerned at all, which is that was odd. Mm-hmm. So that was um, August 13th. That morning, police show up and she's on the phone with her parents and because she knows the code to the garage nicole is Uh, yeah nicole is the police are saying we can't enter the house without permission from the owner and then suddenly chris pulls up in his truck and goes and shakes the cop's hand yeah goes in through the garage their shenan's car is there um they ask is the only car that she would drive yes he comes around opens the door police enter everything is spotless like almost too clean Mm -hmm. at this point they see that her purse is there with all of her medication and immediately her friend Nicole is like, this is not right. And then, which this detail just goes in my head is like, he totally planned this out. He's like, picks up her wedding ring. Her wedding ring's here. Mm-hmm. Like, oh yeah. Imme- On the nightstand. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, oh, she had to have left, you know, and the girl's blankies are there. And so... I don't know that the wedding ring detail like really made me mad because at that point it's like God you are such a faker. <laughs> yeah, and I was also thinking too she's pregnant so her fingers are probably swollen. She's like she just got off a flight. Yeah, it wouldn't be easy to take off a wedding Definitely ring. Definitely not. Like he had to pull and yeah once who knows like if what is it rigor mortis set yeah. in you know that. Yeah, when he took it off. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things you guys need to know is that everything is recorded on video because the second that the officer arrived and I wrote down is at 1.50 p.m. at at their house, he turned on his body cam. So everything is recorded when Chris arrives, when he goes into the house. The one thing you do see that I didn't notice until just recently is that when they were at the front door, he opens up the garage door when he gets there. Mm-hmm. Shanann's car is in the garage. He goes into the house through the garage door. He closes that door behind him. Mm. He does not come out to the front door yeah. for a full minute. Oh, And so that was one of the things that I, I read on something and that they said he was probably making sure that there was nothing left out or anything. Mm-hmm. But we know he cleaned the house already because yeah. he said it was super clean. It was always clean, but it was super clean. Um, and maybe got rid of something or just whatever. He finally comes out and then he opens the door and then he immediately walks back to the house. Like he doesn't wait for the cops to come in because mm-hmm. the cop says, is it okay to come in? He goes, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's already walking down the hall. Mm-hmm. Like, wouldn't you, if you thought your your wife was, you would right away go with the cop right to the front door, like let exactly. him in, you know, whatever. No, he did some kind of little maneuver, probably the last check to make sure everything was okay. Or even like, just like a quick little mental break like okay showtime yeah exactly you know i better i better have my story straight here or something exactly there's a neighbor across the street okay so the the cops come and they're trying to figure out like what happened you know when do you know when she left or you know if somebody came and got her because their car's here and all this stuff the neighbor across the street i guess the cops maybe talked to or maybe he came out and talked to the cop or something that he said i have a camera Mm -hmm. on my house and it catches everything that goes goes on at my house his house because it's the way it's positioned when they're coming in and out of the driveway except somebody drives by i can see it so the cop goes to this guy's house and the guy puts the video from that morning on his big screen tv Mm -hmm. so the cops they're watching it and they call chris over because they're like oh maybe he sees something right 
So, and the body language on Chris on this yeah. thing is just, just like not he, even looking. He's not looking at it. He's got his hands on top of his head, like, holy shit. Like, yeah. you know, like, this is not good for me. Um, but, you know, he's not saying anything. He's just sounds like he's saying all the right things, but the body language is really, really yeah. telling. And the guy, they're going over it every frame of this thing. And he says, see, I can see, you know, he pulls up his truck into the garage but you know you can't see after that you can just see he pulls it kind of backs it into the driveway like mm-hmm. up to the garage and then you could see how many minutes he's there he comes out two or three times but you can't see what he's carrying out but you can see he's coming out two or three times to the car and then he finally leaves and the cop's like okay you know whatever and they're asking Chris some questions he goes okay Chris was going back to his house so he goes I'm gonna stay here and talk to this guy for a minute the neighbor and he goes and get his details and then I'll be right there and Chris is like okay and he takes off the second he walks out of the house, the, the neighbor turns to the cop and he goes, he ain't acting right. Mm-hmm. He ain't acting right. He goes, really? The guy oh, goes, the cop goes, really? And he goes, no. He goes, he's not, this not acting right. He goes, um, he's never like this talkative. He's very fidgety. He's never like that. He's mm-hmm. always very calm. Even the neighbor's body language when he's saying that, it's like, you can tell he's worried. Like, yeah. he's like, he is not acting right. Like, you, you can tell that. He knows something's up. Something's up. Something's Um, up. In that video, in my research, I don't know if you saw it, there's, like, another little shadow, and I, I like, went down a rabbit hole and stuff. (laughs) Um, You can see, like, one shadow go, and then another little shadow, Mm -hmm. but it's only one small one. So it's, like, maybe he did murder one of the girls before, but Mm -hmm. at least one of them was still alive because, like, the little shadow that they saw. Oh, on the 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 guy's camera. Yeah. Oh, okay. No, I gotta gotta watch that again. Yeah. No, I didn't didn't know that. This story blows up because it goes out in the media and then it goes nationwide. Mm -hmm. Pregnant woman, two little girls. They never expect this. Scott Peterson didn't expect this. Mm -hmm. This guy didn't expect this. You know, he figured, hey, she went missing. There's going to be a search and they're not going to find anything. Think, Oh, she was depressed. She went and killed herself and the girls and jumped in the lake or who knows what. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't even know that he planned it out that much. I think he just was like, whatever, it's done. Um, Because here comes the television news cameras and he's interviewed on cameras, but even his words are, are very awkward. Yeah. The way he says things. So now it's all over the news. Now Nicole sees this, of course. Yeah. And she's like, what the hell? This is more than I knew But what's going on. And her first thing is she starts Googling Scott Peterson and Amber Fry. <laughs> oh, my God. Because she's like, oh, shit, am I going to be an Amber Fry? Yeah. Which I would. Yeah, that's pretty smart. I mean, obviously, she's a true crime person. Yeah. <laughs> to follow this stuff. She's right away like, shit, I got to do an Amber Fry and go tell the cops right away what I know. Yes. So kudos to her for that definitely so this is where things start to blow up because now they know he's having an affair so now they're going to go back in there because they've already are suspicious that something's wrong here something's off her car's there you know you don't just disappear like that something's Mm -hmm. off plus the fact that he's got this very weird way of talking it's very flat there's no emotion none i can see not being an emotional person he's not but the fact that he loves his kids and that's and that, and he's not even like, oh my God, I got to go look for my kids. There's no movement from him like, we got to go search. Let's go do exactly. this. As a matter of fact, friends are calling and saying, do, let's set up a search. And he's saying, no, the police said we, we shouldn't do that. 
what what husband and, and father would say we shouldn't do that because a cop said no, so I'm not going to search. Yeah, your ass no. would be out there in your car exactly all night long, running around like everywhere that she might have gone. Yes, you know. So no, they they knew right away there was something really off here. Mm-hmm. Um. So anyway, like I said, he was interviewed on camera. That didn't even go over well with the public. Yeah, they were like, this guy has something to do with it. Like exactly. it was immediate, immediately. Right? Yeah. Then you know, like I said, she Nikki goes and tells the cops what she knows. So they finally bring him in. This was August fifteenth. August fifteenth. So yeah, this was like less than forty eight hours after yeah. they go missing. Before he goes in, that's when he picks up his dad. Yeah, from the airport. We'll find out that before he confesses the first time, um, he asks for his dad, and you know he asks to talk to him, and he confesses to his dad first. And yeah, it's like okay, if you're, we're already going to confess to him. Why didn't you kind of? give him the story or give him a heads up. Like, mm-hmm. hey, dad, this might not go well because X, Y, and Z. In part of the interview, there's a weird little exchange when Chris talks about that ride from the airport with his dad. So he goes and picks up his dad and they're going to go straight to the police station because they want him to take a polygraph. Mm-hmm. On the way from the airport, Chris says, I guess they kind of asked that kind of question. Like, didn't you talk to your dad about it? And he said, no, we didn't talk about Shanann. Or the girls, really. And the drive to the airport was, you know, a little ways. Yeah. And he said, my dad's not like that. Like, he doesn't like talking about that kind of stuff. He said, so, you know, are you doing okay? Yeah. You know, is, is the search proceeding is yeah or something. And he goes, and then my dad just basically talked about sports. Uh, yeah. Now that you uh, said the detail, I do remember reading that, that, yeah, they didn't even talk about what was going on. They just talked about. I think it was hockey or something. So a very <laughs> avoidant family, yeah. like as far as emotions go or anything that's very confrontational, difficult, stressful. They mm-hmm. just don't talk about it. His granddaughters are missing. Yeah. <laughs> you don't ask a million questions like, well, what's the search? What's happening? Do we know? Like, who was exactly. the last people they were with? Did they call the friends? Da, 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 da. I mean, I would be asking everything. Yeah. So very, very odd. But, you know, it's part of this family dynamic, I really believe. He takes this polygraph test and basically asks them three questions is your name christopher was you know whatever you know yeah. so they can do the baseline and it's like did you have anything to do with shenan's disappearance or whatever or did you kill shenan was it do you kill him did you kill her or did you have something to do with um, i think with the disappearance but yeah immediately she was like i need you to take a deep breath because you're everywhere right now yeah and then like, she asked him again yeah and then the last one was did you lie about the last time you saw shenan and you know that's it they come back in and they're like, dude, you're lying. It's you off failed. the friggin' chart <laughs> yeah. like you, of lying. So this is when they start trying to get him to confess. Now, this is the part I have a problem with. Yeah. Because, okay, I get it. Like, they're trying to find ways to, like, what they're saying is, like, build rapport. Because he's saying, no, I had nothing to do with it. And continues to say he didn't have an affair, nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? They're like, okay, we got to get him to talk. Okay, so... I first thought it was the the detective Lee, which was the woman detective from the CBI. But the first one was the other detective from, I think it was the Frederick's Police Department. First of all, they they flatter him. They say, Mm -hmm. oh, you're such a great dad. We can see, you know, how devoted you are to your girls. And you know, like to put extra clothes in the backpack in case they, you know, make a mess. You pack them snacks, you da 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 you know, all this kind of stuff. You're obviously a great dad. Maybe trying to break him down so he would feel bad and maybe splurt out, oh, my God, I can't believe I did this or whatever. Yeah. So they do all that. But then he says, okay, we see your marriage. We see everything that's going on. This is the, the male detective. And he says, talking about his life with Shanann, quote, you should have been happy, productive, and thriving right now. 
I believe Shanann's the reason none of that happened. Oh, my gosh. So immediately. And then the detective goes on to say, to call Shanann, quote, controlling. He says this, quote, she can do whatever she wants and you can't. And then he says, so Lenny gives an example. He goes like, you know, you guys go to a restaurant and she orders whatever she wants to eat. You order a steak and she's like, hey, dude, I don't think so. Oh, my goodness. You think she's dead, been murdered, and you're going to like malign her like this to get a confession out of him. The guy is a mess. He can't keep two stories straight. He's tripping over his words. He can't even finish a sentence that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. This is your only tactic to get him to confess. I think you could get him to confess in 50 other ways. Yeah. They're like, oh, because he's going to call a lawyer. I don't give a shit. Like, we have what we need. You know exactly. what I mean? This guy's going to confess. Or call his dad in there and say, you know what? These are your father's grandchildren. Exactly. Where so are they? Tell your ways. father where his grandchildren are. Exactly. He would have confessed. Definitely. But no, they're going to make her out to be the bad guy. And I had a real problem with that. The last thing I wrote down, talking about Shanann. She started on the path to leave the marriage first. Why do you say this? My goodness. Where did you get this information? Nobody ever said this. Yeah. He said, yeah, and, you know, she was going to be walking away from her kids. (laughs) Nobody would have ever believed, like. No. Why are we even putting this out there to Chris, who knows a million, a million percent, that's never, never, ever going to be true. Yeah. I didn't get that at all. No. So this is the part, and this was on the, uh, it's called the JCS Criminal Psychology YouTube channel. You guys might have seen it. There's a lot of these interrogation videos and things like that on there, and his full video is on there, and I'll put the link up. But on the one part, they're talking about something called the read technique. And this is an alternative way of questioning where you're trying to make it acceptable for them to confess by making what they did more moral or correct. Okay, so basically saying you had to do it. Mm-hmm. So this is where Detective Tammy Lee. Now, this is only 10 minutes after this guy's already trying to get him to go. <laughs> 10 minutes, she's already going to this. She's talking to him and she says, opens this door, which later on he'll say, I would have never went there if she hadn't have given me that alibi. Yeah. Or that, you know, not alibi, but, you know, that excuse. She, she planted says, the seed. Planted and, the seed. Yeah. She said, quote, Chris, did Shanann do something to them? Talking As about the girls. rubbing his back. Yeah. And talking about the girls. Yeah. And then did you feel like you had to do something to Shanann? Mm-hmm. So she's basically saying Shanann killed the girls and that's why you had to kill her. Mm-hmm. You put it out that she's a murderer now. Exactly. Like, Good God, I don't agree with that at all. No, not at all. As soon as she says that, he adamantly, immediately says, no, Mm -hmm. no, no. And she said, something happened in that house, didn't it? And I think now this is when the wheels start to click. Definitely. And he's like, oh, that's how I can say it happened. Because I got to give my dad some kind of story. Yeah. You know, and she just handed it to me. And yeah, even once the dad comes in, Mm -hmm. he, which by the way is 10 minutes later. Yeah, he is kind of like slunched over. First tells him he failed the polygraph. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then he doesn't even like the words don't even come out of his mouth that he did it. His dad says, Shanann killed the girls. And so you had to. And he's like, "Mm -hmm." Mm mm-hmm. All he says is, I saw either Bella. I can't remember which one. See, he said, I saw Shanann on top of Cece. Yeah. And then smothering her. And then his dad takes it from there. And then he's just like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
They're giving him the story. Exactly. So he tells his dad when he comes in that he failed the polygraph. Then he says, Shanann killed the girls. And his dad does something weird in his own brain because he can't even absorb that. Because mm-hmm. his dad says, she hurt them. Yeah. Even though he just said she killed them. They showed that on that JCS YouTube, which I thought was was pretty interesting. That how our minds, brains can't even wrap around something sometimes. Yeah. And then Chris says, I don't want to protect her. And then his dad says, what? What? Like he didn't hear yes, me. He goes, I don't want to protect her. And he says, she hurt them. And that's when he said, yeah. And then he says, yeah. He says, then you hurt her? He goes, yeah. And then I killed her. Mm-hmm. Then his dad says, I think we need to get a lawyer or something. And that's when the detectives swoop back in. Yeah. And they bring they're like, all the photos shut up, stuff. get out. Yeah. You know, like, don't tell your lawyer, don't say lawyer, you know, all of that. So, yeah, it's crazy. I don't like that. Because that was the story that came out in the media yep. afterwards. Like, well, did she do something? And then even when it was like that, okay, that wasn't what happened, maybe. But some people still believe it was, even though it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Then it became, oh, Shanann was like a ball buster. She was a, a controlling wife. She treated him like shit. Da, 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 da. He snapped, mm-hmm. which none of this points to that. And what it was is he decided he wanted this girlfriend, yep. you know, and uh, wanted to get rid of his wife. He didn't see any way to do that. And I don't know. I, I go back and forth between him planning and not planning. I do too. I don't know if he knew. I mean, I think he it did later on say he he did know it was going to happen that night, but I don't think he knew he was going to kill the girls too. Mm-hmm. So this is what the last thing we'll, we'll talk about is all the confessions. So you guys will know exactly what happened if you didn't know, if you, you know, somehow didn't know what happened here. We'll find out that uh, bodies the next day will be discovered because he tells them where mm-hmm. to go. 40 miles east of their home in uh, the oil field area where he was working. Shanann's body would be found in a shallow grave and the girls' bodies found submerged in two separate oil drums, which I think is another weird uh, part of the story. It took multiple types of teams, like uh, firefighter first responders, um, like a crime unit, and I can't remember what the third one was, but just to empty them out. Yeah, a hazard team or something. Yeah, and... the detective that they were interviewing on one of the um, documentaries I watched said all of those guys were just traumatized. Traumatized. Some of them had to take leave. Some of them had to go like get medicated. Yes. To to see what they saw, what what happened to those girls. I mean, just yeah. it's horrible. Like it's, it's so sad. Unfathomable, really. So he will be charged with three counts of first degree murder, two counts of murder of a child under twelve years old. Quote while in a position of trust. Colorado has some really specific charges yeah three counts of tampering with a body and then unlawful termination of a pregnancy there's nine counts mm-hmm. um okay he will plead guilty two months later to all nine counts and the shenan's family actually asked that the death penalty not be imposed mm-hmm. uh, the death penalty won't be imposed but he will get uh multiple life sentences in prison without the possibility of parole. Five life sentences. It also included 48 years for an unlawful termination of the pregnancy and 36 years for disposing of the bodies. Here's his account of the crime. Okay, the confession given to the detectives after he fails the polygraph is this. When she asked if repeatedly if Shanann did something to the girls, which caused him to kill her, he said yes. That's when he spoke to his father. He tells his father he had killed Shanann after he witnessed her attempting to strangle Cece and then also saw that Bella was already dead. He saw that on the baby monitor, he said, mm-hmm. in her room. Then the FBI shows up 
Federal prosecutors, yeah, FBI. This was six months after the murder. This is the confession he gives them. Mm-hmm. Now, this is the details. So if you guys want to hear the details, um, again, this is, it'll be short. Okay, so when she arrived home, she got into bed with him, and he then said they had sex. He thought that she was testing him to see if he'd been unfaithful, but he said having sex with his wife, quote, felt wrong because, you know, he's in love with Nikki or whatever. In the morning, he goes downstairs to get ready for work. He returns to the bedroom after this. Um, he, this is when he has a discussion with, with his wife and says that things weren't going to work out and they wanted to cancel the trip that she'd set up for the next weekend to Aspen. Shanann then accused him of having an affair and started crying. She told him that she was leaving with the girls and he'd never see his kids again. He then told her he didn't love her and he put his hands around her neck and started strangling her. He says she did not struggle. Which I have a hard time believing. I, that's impossible to believe. Yeah. While this was going on, or right after he killed her, Bella wakes up and walks in, asking, what's wrong with Mommy? He said, quote, she doesn't feel good. He wrapped Shanann's body in a sheet, drags her body downstairs because he couldn't pick her up, it was too heavy, and into the garage with Bella watching and following behind him. This is when he backs the truck into the driveway and takes over 30 minutes bagging the body in two garbage bags and putting it into the truck. He bagged her head and I believe her feet or something like that yeah Yeah, wasn't the whole body putting into the truck on the floor behind the driver's seat he then returned inside to get his lunch and a gas can i don't know what the gas can was for maybe so he didn't have to stop at the gas station um he brought the girls downstairs now one had a blanket one had their stuffed animal they're wearing their pajamas still he and takes them into the garage and he puts them in the back seat of the truck now they're sitting on the seat with their feet on their mother's dead body that's on the floor um They continue to ask him if mom was okay, and he says that he told them that she was. He drives out now, it's 40 miles out to the oil well, and he arrives around 6.30 in the morning. He had already messaged his coworkers to make sure that no one would disturb him, saying, hey, when in time are you coming out, or when are you, where are you gonna be today, or something like that. He reached this place called Servi Ranch just before 7 a.m. He told the girls he'd be back, and he says he lifted Shanann's body out of the truck, dragged it into the scrubland, and dumped it. He then returned to the truck and took Cece's pink blanket and smothered her while Bella watched. Bella's, you know, screaming and crying. He takes Cece's body out of the truck and out to a 20-foot-high oil tank and up the stairs, lowering her feet first into an 8-inch trap door opening and dropped her into the oil well. And there is oil in the well. He said he heard a splash. He goes back to the truck. Bella is crying and asking, what happened to Cece? And then he says, she says this, will the same thing happen to me? She's crying. She's scared. Yes, he replied. He then comes towards her with a blanket and she starts screaming, no, daddy, no. She fights him. He, she had actually bitten her tongue several times, so they know that was true. But he smothered her until she was dead. He took her body to another tank next to the first she was bigger so he had to force the body into this hole which was too small I mean god how do you no god he then returned to Shanann's body and dug a hole um he had a, a shovel in his truck a hole 27 inches deep to bury her when he I guess was moving the body and it kind of rolled out of the sheet he noticed that she had partially miscarried the baby god I only heard that Later. That's why I didn't listen to this when I <laughs> exactly early on. It's horrible. It's so horrible. He covered both bodies with dirt and finished this at 7:40 a.m. Okay, 
I knew there was another confession later on. And I'm like, I don't even want to hear from this piece of shit. So I'm not even going to listen <laughs> right. to this. So I just looked it up yesterday. And I, I didn't even know there was another one yes. until I read this one. Yes. So this is in April 2019. Okay, let's do the prison thing real quick. Oh, right after he sentenced to prison, the same day that he sentenced to life in prison, uh, Shanann's parents filed a wrongful death claim against their son-in-law. They got a, a huge, like a $6 million in damages, but of course they know they're never going to receive it. They just want to make sure that he can't make any money off of this, his crime, because yeah. in case he sells, you know, a book or blah, 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 whatever they do, like he can't, he won't be able to keep any of the money. Mm-hmm. Okay, December 3rd, 2018... So with a uh, month or so later, he's transferred to a prison in Wisconsin because he's being threatened by all the prisoners. It's a very high-profile case and killing kids and killing your wife that's pregnant, all this stuff. Um, his ass was grass in prison, so they basically yeah. moved him to a prison in Wisconsin where he would be, I guess, safer. So February 18, 2019 is when he's interviewed by the federal prosecutors and gave that account. He at that time said that Nicole uh, Kessinger knew he was married, and but he had just told her he was almost divorced. She had told them that... She, she didn't know, like we said earlier. Then he goes to prison in Wisconsin. He claims to be a born-again Christian. He starts corresponding with people. One is an older woman. Her name's Sherilyn Cadle. They write and they talk about God and, you know, repentance and all of these things. So a few months later, she's writing back and forth to him. They actually have had phone calls as well. Wow. Um, where, you know, they pray over the phone, and that kind of stuff. He had told her something about the details of what actually happened, but not the whole thing. Till he writes her this letter in April 2019. The thing that he had told her before was that he had imagined killing his wife several times before the day of the murders. In this confession, um, this letter, you can read it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, written in pencil because they can't give him a pen because, you know, he's in the <laughs> um, But he's got very neat and around. You can read everything. It says that he had actually attempted to kill the girls before Shanann got home. Wow. And he thought they were dead before he murdered Shanann. And this is what happened. He said, and this is his writing in the letter, August 12th, when I finished putting the girls to bed, I walked away and said, that's the last time I'm going to be tucking my babies in. I knew what was going to happen the day before, and I did nothing to stop it. I was numb to the entire world. I had literally taken my kids to a birthday party played with water balloons, had an amazing time, sang songs all the way home, gave them a bath, a shower, ate dinner, read bedtime stories, and sang bedtime songs, and still nothing registered. When Shanann had to be somewhere, I always enjoyed taking the girls' places or playing outside because it was our opportunity to bond. And still the night before, I couldn't stop myself from what I knew would occur the next morning. So he's confessing that this was all planned. Mm -hmm. And he continues... August 13th, morning of, I went to the girl's room first, before Shanann and I had our argument. I went into Bella's room, then Cece's room, and used a pillow from their bed to kill them. That's why the cause of death was smothering. After I left Cece's room, then I climbed back in bed with Shanann, and our argument ensued. After Shanann had passed, Bella and Cece woke back up. I'm not sure how they woke back up, but they did. Bella's eyes were bruised, and both girls looked like they had been through trauma. So this tells me that's true. Mm -hmm. The bruising thing, the detail. That made the act that much worse, knowing I went to the rooms first, and knowing I still took their lives at the location of the batteries. So what he's saying is he smothered them. They passed out. He thought they were dead. Don't even listen for a heartbeat. (laughs) 
And then he goes in because now he knows he's going to kill his wife. He says something about her being sleepy. Yeah. Drowsy. Drowsy. And what I'm confused about is she was face down. He later on will give that detail. So I think she was asleep and he just. I do too. Because what he says in this letter, there's a detail in this letter. I didn't get the whole thing. I didn't understand the whole thing because he, he's very disjointed sometimes the way he talks. That was very clear. Mm-hmm. But other things are very disjointed. It sounds to me like he's saying, because he talks about the oxycodone, and he says that the first time he tried it was in North Carolina. I think he said he tried it again when she came home because she was sick that weekend. Wow. He later admitted that the reason the coroner found oxycodone in Shanann's bloodstream was because he'd given it to her to try and cause a miscarriage. But he also said that he did it several times. I'm wondering if he didn't give her again that night or something happened. Maybe after sex, he got her like a glass of water or yeah, something. something. Yeah, because he said she was very drowsy because he said that he was able to, I think that's why she was face down and that he came from behind her and choked her. I don't think he wanted to see her face when he did it. Um, that's why he put the pillow over the girl's face. He's not seeing their faces. He's behind her. He chokes her because there's no evidence of a struggle mm-hmm. because she was already halfway knocked out, I think. You know, if he puts his hands around her and, and he talks about... Pinching the jugular. So, like, he knew he that. knew what he was doing. That that was going to make her pass out really quickly. Mm-hmm. And then he could finish it because he knew it was going to take a while for that to happen. So, yeah, super crazy. So that makes it even that much worse because then he takes them out to the place and then smothers them again. Like you said, the shadow mm-hmm. means they were still walking. Yeah. They weren't dead already. Mm-hmm. The second part with the details about driving out there and then, you know, is that going to happen to me, daddy? And all that kind of stuff. And Cece fighting. That did happen in the truck. Mm-hmm. That happened in the truck. Um, and then, you know, he killed them out there. So he had all that time yeah, 40 to change miles his mind. Hour. Yeah. To think, I can't kill my babies. Yeah, I can't do it. I did this. But you know what? I'm going to drive to the police station, turn myself in. Yeah. And have my dad come pick up the girls. Yeah. He could have done any of those things, and he did none of them. He went out and deliberately, how did he think, you're not going to get away with it, dude. Yeah. It's not going to happen. There was a detail that I read. Once he confessed, he didn't think he was going to get life in prison. He thought, okay, I'll, I'll take a plea deal, mm-hmm. and oh, yeah. I'll, I'll get off. And no. <laughs> he thought he would do some time, but he would eventually get out. Yeah. I guess the woman, the pen pal, asked him, did you ever think of, you know, what you did? Like, didn't that, how, were you going to live with it? He goes, I did think about killing myself as I drove out to the oil field to kill the girls and then myself. But then, of course, he didn't kill himself. He said he didn't know what he was thinking at the time of the murder. He felt like, quote, something else was controlling him. They always say this. And he said he agreed to plead guilty so the family didn't have to go through a prolonged trial and, and also to avoid the death penalty, I think. Yeah. But like you said, he didn't think he would spend the rest of his life in prison. He was very shocked about that, mm-hmm. which, pfft, too bad. Yeah. What did um, you think was going to happen? Yeah. And because, you know, he, and he had all this planning stuff. After he killed them, he sent texts to her phone, mm-hmm. you know, blah, blah, blah. But the dumb shit he did. This is the dumb shit he did. He calls the girls' preschools that day yeah. to say they're not returning to school. As if well, there was, was there supposed to be still. their first day. It was a uh, uh, Bella's first day of, of kindergarten, okay. but the other one was still going to preschool there. Gotcha. And then he asked if the girls had arrived at school that morning. Dude, 
Oh, this is a creepy uh, detail. One of the guys that had gone out to the field, but you know, he's out there. One of the coworkers said when they saw him, he goes, he was wearing some old clothes and he never dressed like that. He had like old, like old, like shoddy clothes on. He was always dressed well. And then he also said that he noticed as Chris was walking to his truck to leave, he goes, first of all, he was parked way far away from where the oil, like the work site was. Mm -hmm. His truck was further away, of course, because that's where he took, you know, he was dumping the body. He said, as he was walking to his truck, I saw him look back and look at those oil tanks. And then later on finding out that that's where he left his daughter's bodies. Sick. So sick. That's it. 8.30 in the morning that day, he calls the realtor to say that he and Shannon are getting a divorce. (sighs) She's supposed to be missing. Exactly. You know, which story are you trying to play out here? doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's one thing. And I was like, I don't like this because now you're dragging Metallica into it. And I ain't, <laughs> I ain't cool. At 10, 10 a.m. that morning, he Google searched on his phone lyrics to Metallica's song Battery, which go, well, part of it goes, lunacy has found me, cannot kill the family. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, what the hell is your problem? <laughs> One thing we know is that he's this big, was this big Metallica fan. And one of the things Shanann had done for him, I believe on his 30th birthday, was she had gotten two tickets for him to this this concert, uh, Metallica concert. Wow. And she has videos of what him, you know, like so excited going to this concert. It's like, man. When he talked to the cops of that detailed confession, he gave them more info about his affair with, with Nikki Kessinger. He said, like you said, he never thought his marriage was bad or wanted to get out of it at all. Mm-hmm. before he met Nikki, which, come on. Yeah. But he said Nikki didn't like being second fiddle to his wife, but never asked him to get rid of his family or even suggested it. You know, that's the thing that's so mind-boggling, is you never see him really unhappy in his marriage until, like, a few weeks before this murder, and then he kills his whole family? Yeah. Like, don't you just take a second to rethink? Exactly. You know, five minutes, three minutes to rethink what you're doing and what it's going to mean for you. Here's the thing. That whole interview where he's telling them everything about killing and blah, 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 never sheds a tear, never shows an emotion. The only time he shows an emotion was when his dad comes in. Even when he's telling his dad the girls were killed by Shanann, he murdered his wife, never shows an emotion. The second he finally breaks and shows emotion, when he says to his dad, he puts his head down and he says, I'm going to fucking prison. That's when he cries. Yeah. Now he's like, shit. It's all about about me. Yeah. (laughs) So that just shows you, this is like a person who I guess was a a hidden narcissist his whole life. to say that. Yeah. Had to be. Yeah. And then again, like with the weight loss and then getting the attention from a cute new woman, Mm -hmm. um, probably brought it out. And yeah, he probably thought, I'm going to get away with this. Um, uh, It's so sad. So, yeah. So many other ways. I think that the way the media spun it later on, even though they, they, you know, say, oh, he's a monster, this and that. But it was always, Shanann was bossy. Shanann Mm -hmm. was this. Shanann was controlling. Shanann, you know, checked his text messages and Shanann gave him his allowance and, you know, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, but he was okay with that. Exactly. I'm sure you know, and I know too, relationships like this. It's the guy or the woman, one or the other, or whichever partner, male, female, whatever, that this is just the agreement they have, and they're fine with it. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be, but, you know, yeah. there's other people that are like, I like depending on somebody. I like somebody else telling me, oh, yeah, this is what we're going to eat for dinner, and this is what we're going to have for lunch. I know lots of people like that in relationships. Yeah. They're happy with it. They know their, their partner cares about them and sees out for them and 
you know, all of that stuff. And they're fine with it. And he, that's who he was. Yeah. Until he was like, oh, I get some strange. Okay, now I'm going to kill my wife. Like, exactly. That is like, there is something really wrong with you, dude. Yeah. Like, really wrong with you. Like, but again, maybe this whole relationship with Shanann was all about him. Yeah. You know, it looks good. She's spending money and going into bankruptcy and all this stuff. But I'm living in a big house. I'm driving a nice car. I'm wearing nice clothes. I'm going on trips. You know, that's about me. Yeah. Why not? You know, um, the kids, she's always talking him up to the kids. Like, yeah. oh, your daddy's a hero. And oh, my God, did a daddy. You know, here's come Santa Claus and all this stuff. He's getting that attention. Yeah. You know, maybe other people think, oh, God, that's uh, annoying. But who knows? Maybe that fed his ego. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's just it's odd. It's it's strange. But I do think that the way that she has been portrayed in the media by, you know, general media, stuff like that has been completely unfair. Mm -hmm. They're like, oh, my God, it's terrible. She was murdered. But did you know that she was this? Did you know that (laughs) she was that? It's like, you know what? F that. Yeah. That has nothing to do with with what he did and who he is exactly and don't forget the kids what did they do to him exactly i was just about to say that what did those poor innocent little girls have anything to do with this i think um yeah with you saying she did all the work for the big house the cars and everything um i think maybe he did know that he was gonna kill shanann and then he was like shit i can't do this alone so they gotta go too yeah. You know, like, ugh. Bella maybe could have, I mean, she could have said something. Yeah. Because she was old enough to talk and tell, you know, she was a very smart little girl. And I'm sure she would have been like, daddy hurt mommy or whatever. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Like, I don't know. It, it was not thought out. It was not planned out. But it wasn't like heat of the moment. I flipped out. I mean, he he admits it. Not less letter. Mm-hmm. It was all planned. I knew at that birthday party, I knew when I tucked them in, it was going to be the last time I was going to tuck them in. How do you... How do you not say, holy shit, I need to talk to somebody about this or I need to like check myself into like, like as a a normal male human being or just, yeah, as a normal human being, you got to know these are not right thoughts that I'm having. This is not okay. And I, I don't know, maybe all he had on his mind was being with Nikki and so that's where it led to but crazy. either way so sad so crazy a couple of reasons I'll just give you guys real quick because I use them um, extensively and in, in when I was doing the research there's a book by John Glatt he has some really great true crime books G-L-A-T-T uh, it's called The Perfect Father The True Story of Chris Watts um, and then the JCS Criminal Psychology YouTube page The Case of Chris Watts parts one through three they show the interrogation they actually they show from the body cam footage of the cop all the way through the interrogation and with little comments about some of the psychology body language stuff like that on chris watts which gives you a better insight i think to it and then american murder the family next door on netflix and there's something else you said you watched um yeah so i found it on hulu and it's an id murder mystery family man family murder um and yeah it's on the id channel okay yeah so we'll put the links to all that in the show notes as well but um yeah so that's that's plenty you guys yeah (laughs) don't believe what you see on social media and if anything i think one thing i'm taking from this is people who are oversharing maybe we need to check in on them make sure they're okay yeah you sure you're good are you like hiding behind your phone and your cameras and all of your social media posts maybe like creating a safe space for people who don't feel like they have anybody 
that they can talk to, but yet they're yeah. over here sharing it to hundreds of followers, friends, yeah. whatever on any social media platform. Um, it's so good, sad. Good, good point. Yeah, it's a good point because sometimes people hide their pain behind these masks to say, you know, oh yeah, we're fine. Everything's good or whatever. Bottom line with him, I think that he hid himself from everybody pretty much his whole life. Yeah. I think even with Nikki, it would have been the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he was trying to be what he thought she wanted, just like he did with Shanann. And I think that it would have ended up the same way. Just last thing I wanted to say was that one of the things Shanann did complain about him was the fact that he never got angry about anything. She goes, sometimes I'm just, I say things just to get a rise out of him, Mm -hmm. just to get him to show an emotion, like to get angry at me, to, to tell me to F off. Like she goes, I get nothing. You know, he's like this blank slate. So there's, yeah, you guys, if you're around somebody like that, you just watch out. Yeah, don't think <laughs> Protect that yourself. Merit, oh, you're so lucky because your husband is so calm and cool. So compliant no. or whatever. No, he could be plotting something. Exactly. <laughs> you know, or she one. could. I'm not going to say just he. Yeah. You want to have a, a, a person with real emotions and allow them to have those emotions because those are the things I think that make us authentic people and let us blow off steam and you know you still love those people even though they're not perfect exactly that, that's the thing you you can't just hide behind this mask because perfection is not reality so definitely not all right well thanks so much thank you Esther. Was, thanks for having and, me on. oh my god and uh yeah happy holidays to everybody happy new year happy new year we'll see you in the new year we'll see you in the new year with all new series oh my god so we're, we're getting excited planning some of those out for next year yes. so you guys will be getting information on those of course always follow us on all our social media and uh, you can find all the links in the show notes and also on our webpage, which is truecrimepodcast.com all right guys have a good one stay safe out there and be good to one another